Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Ready, Set, Free podcast with your host, Kai Wilson, where I want you to be financially free, physically free, spiritually free, and emotionally free. Welcome back, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Um, I'm glad to have you here. And I am glad to have this follow-up episode. This is a part two. Uh, you, are, you already heard part one episode with my guest, Keisha V. Stubbs. And we split this episode up to two parts because that first part we really wanted to focus on um, not being afraid to step out, kind of step out on faith, know your worth, know your value, believe in yourself and just realize that you don't have to stay in a position or in a scenario that's really not helping you even if it's financially helping you that's not helping you emotionally or physically or spiritually so um, we separated that episode out and we kind of just spoke on that but I didn't want to leave it there I wanted to move next to Um, Okay, so you stepped out on faith or you separated yourself from where you were that was not helping you. What do you do from there? What are things that you can do from there? What are some ideas? Um, We'll discuss things that we've both done. And this is kind of, um, we won't just talk about stepping away from a job, but just any scenario that has happened, any type of emergency, unexpected scenarios, Financially, what can we do? What, what are things we can do to um, lessen the pain, lessen the stress, get you back on track or back to focus as soon as possible? So, and I've, ta- I've said before that when you are stressed, when you are fearful, it's definitely fearful, you tend to not make good decisions. And it's not, it's not a personal thing. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I've done it. Everybody does it. It's just when you're not thinking clearly and you're in survival mode, you do what you have to do to survive, which typically is a good decision short term for the moment. It gets you through so that you make it to the next day, hour, whatever. (laughs) But they typically aren't the best decisions for the long term, for whatever the vision is long term. So that's what we're going to discuss today. Keisha is here with me again. Hello, Keisha. Hey. I'm going to let you again do um, your introduction for yourself, please. Sure. So I am a mom, first and foremost. I love my my baby. He's big now. Um, But I'm also a sales consultant for businesses and individuals. I do automotive sales training for businesses and individuals. I'm also an author and will be an author again soon. I'm going to be excited to tell you all about that. But that is, in a nutshell, who I am, along with um, motivational speaking as well. Okay. That's great. That's a lot. So we're going to get to that because she just named uh, about five different things. (laughs) So um, let's start with, I want to start with your first book. So we're going to do a little book push here. She's got a book that's called Close or Be Closed. And it kind of ties in, at least parts of the book, definitely tie into what our topic is today. So do you want to talk a little bit about your book or whatever you want to share? We want you to buy the book as well, but um, because we're going to talk about some of the topics in the book, I do want her to give you a little bit of a summary. So Close or Be Closed, the subtitle is actually How a Teen Mom Sold Her Way Out of Poverty. I wrote that book this year. It came out this year. It is about my journey from being a teenage mom, driving my parents absolutely nuts, pregnant in high school, and just the things I had to deal with after that and how I eventually wound up to become the first black and first female sales manager at a luxury dealership. I also give tips on how to sell. So in automotive sales, there's the road to the sale. So in the beginning of each chapter, I list out a step in the road to the sale, and then I equate my life and where I was at that moment to the road to the sale. So you're learning a little bit about sales and a little bit about me. Great, that sounds really good. I can't, I have the book guys. I have not completed reading it yet. But um, I know a little bit of the background story. So, all right. So do you want to go over one of your initial, I know we talked about um, your initial survival um, scenario, situation that occurred in your life and what you learned and what you had to do um, to overcome it. Sure. 
So um, it, it was it was definitely rough. So when I was 23 years old, my son's father and I had already been together for about six years, and it was off and on. I don't really know any young couples that are just purely on. It happens, I'm sure, but we were definitely off and on. Um, but we were always back on. In May of 2009, we were having, no, yeah, May of 2009, we were having an off moment. Uh, we had an argument. He wasn't in the household anymore. Um, I was teaching, like I told you last episode, making about 20 grand, and he was bringing in income that was just help, helping to sustain our lifestyle. Well, we were having our off moment, and it'd been a month, and we hadn't really spoken to each other. And I had uh, picked up another job because he wasn't at home anymore. So I was a receptionist at a real estate office. It was the first time I ever left my first and only time in my life I ever left my cell phone at home. And uh, his, when I got home, I had like a thousand missed calls. And his friend, I called his friend back, and his friend's like, "Yo, Keisha, did you hear?" I'm like, "Hear what?" He's like, "Sean died. Yo, he was shot." My initial reaction, I was just mad. I was like, well, where are you? He's like, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm like, where, where's Sean? He's like, well, he's in Queens. I'm like, so you didn't see him and you don't know. And so I'm just angry. I'm mm-hmm. like, you're giving me information that you can't even confirm. That's a crazy thing to be telling somebody that you don't know for sure, even though he did know for sure. Right. And, um, you know, I, I mean, he was shot. And I, I went out to where he was, where he was in his car, and it was just a very surreal moment. Um, everything felt like slow motion. I can remember that day like the back of my hand. Mm. And, um, you know, dealing with that, you know, it's, it's emotional. I had uh, dealt with depression after that. But I quickly came to the, the realization that I was not prepared for anything in my life to change. I wasn't ready for anything to go haywire. If I missed a day of work, if, if he's not here anymore wasn't ready. So shortly after he died, um, I lost everything. Um, my car was repossessed. The apartment, I couldn't afford that anymore. I even lost my job um, mm-hmm. shortly after that. So I, I learned a very big lesson about financial preparation after he was killed. And um, it's okay to be in a relationship and to rely on one, uh, one another to an extent. Um, but male or female, you just don't know what's going to happen. Whether mm-hmm. you're going to break up, have a divorce, or somebody's going to die, um, you should be prepared. And in my case, you know, I had a child. Even more reason for me to have been financially prepared. And I could chalk it up to youth and inexperience and all that good stuff, but I just wasn't ready for life to change in that way. Um, I could definitely talk about the emotional aspect about it all day. <laughs> there were so many things that I was going through, um, but that was one of the lessons that I learned, that I should be ready for things to change. Right. And uh, I shared with you that um, some people I've helped out with, um, you know, they had unforeseen deaths happen in their, you know, these were all couples. Mm-hmm. And you do realize quickly that who who was responsible for what and that the other person doesn't necessarily know. They knew it got done. But they, that's all. They just knew it got done. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit when I, even if I work a job, if I work a job or I own a company and I'm, I'm working in my own business, I like to know all the parts. Right. Right. I like to know how to clean the office. I like to know how to service the customers. I know how I want to write the sale. I want to negotiate the prices. I want to do all the parts. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, what you're saying is something that should happen in relationships as well. Yeah. You should at least know all the parts. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if if partners took the time to show the other partner, because we 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 that that part still happens a lot. Yeah. They don't know passwords, and you know, one person has all this information. But yeah, sharing the I don't want to say responsibility, but the knowledge, mm-hmm. sharing the knowledge yeah. of what to do, how to do it, how to get it done, where to get it done, is very valuable. That's true. Yeah. So. Um, I've had that happen a lot. I'm helping people with that one <laughs> all the time. Um, okay, so in that scenario, okay, so that the um, the murder happened, the death happened, and it took you all the way back to the beginning now. So you have to start over without the help and the assistance. Um, you lost everything. What kind of things did you do to build yourself back up? And we're, we're talking more financially because the physical and the emotional part is – 
a journey. I can only imagine. Yeah, I'm not going to say I can feel your pain. I can only imagine. Right. You know, the the stress and the pressure and and everything. It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Emotionally, it was not. And I I won't dive into that because, again, we're not therapists or anything like that. But just for anybody who's gone through it. I'm here for you off off microphone if you need that assistance. But anybody that's going through that um, or has been through that, um, I will say that there is light at the end of a tunnel. At the end of the tunnel, it's not a hole. It is a tunnel. You will make it to the other side. And it took me a while, but I got there. But financially, so because I spent two years in depression without even knowing I was depressed, um, I wasn't doing anything. I immediately changed my position from receptionist at the real estate office to um, real estate sales agent. But I was too depressed to do what I was supposed to do. So I wasn't making any money. Um, And then I moved to Georgia with my mom uh, in 2010. So prior to that, I had a lot of ego. So I was 19 when I became a teacher. I had my own car. I had my own place. I was the jam, the peanut butter. Like, you can tell me nothing. I was doing it. Right. Um, I had a kid early, but look at me now, right? right. So my I e- survived it. Right, right, but my ego was tied up into all the things that I had and all the things that I had accomplished. Um, so when I lost all those things and I moved to Georgia, people would – I wouldn't even talk to people. I wouldn't even tell them what I was doing because I wasn't doing anything. And I was so embarrassed to not be doing anything that I just didn't talk to anybody for a long time. So finally, when I did – come out of the depression and say, you know what, Keisha, you probably have to do something (laughs) with your life. I took um, a tax return and bought a cheap little, I think it was a 96 or 98 Altima, faded green, the roof was faded, the hood was (laughs) faded, but I had a car. You know, I'm in Georgia now, got to get around. So I bought a car and then I went and I applied for jobs everywhere I could. So I went to a supermarket (laughs) and and I worked as a deli clerk. And... um, I went back every single day to ask them if they had considered hiring me yet. I went to multiple places, and I would go back to all these places. Like, you ready? You ready? Right. You ready? I, I can start today. Right. <laughs> and so I finally got hired. Um, that was in June of 2011 that I, I got hired as a deli clerk. Um, and slowly but surely, I start building my way up. So now I did leave this job um, because this job, it's not the end all to be all. I started out at seven twenty-five an hour. I think I finished out at nine fifty an hour mm-hmm. um, working there. And I had the grand idea that I was going to start flipping cars. Oh, yeah. It was in your nature. It was. I've, I've been a salesperson <laughs> since I was very little. Um, <laughs> so I went on. I used to do it on Craigslist, but my very first car that I found to sell and flip was um, actually Sean's car, but the first one in this flipping experience. I was driving down Highway 155 Mm -hmm. looking for cars, Mm -hmm. parked up, driving, whatever. And there was a Maxima that I saw, and it had a for sale sign in the back. I'm like, yes, going to get this car. It's so nice, blah, blah, blah. So I'm following this guy for miles. And he's not stopping. I'm like flashing my horn, my, my lights, whatever. Um, and he's not stopping. I'm like, man, he might like pull up into his driveway and then I'm gonna be right here. I said, gotta stop following this guy. So I take down the number. So I go home. I don't know why I didn't call it for my cell phone, but I go home and I, I call him. I have the wrong number. So I start, I try about 30 different combinations of this phone number wow. until I finally get him. I did get him on the oh phone. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, and uh, I went and I looked at the car. I bought the car. Uh, it was in very good condition. As a matter of fact, the most pristine car that I had ever bought to flip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sold it probably within days. And I did that over and over and over again. But I did, there were things I didn't know about it. So I failed. <laughs> Ultimately, that's okay. Yeah. But you you were successful in selling them. Oh, it was so much fun acquiring them and selling oh, them. Oh man, you were successful. And I had a mechanic that would like fix things up for okay. me. Okay, so I would. I started. I had the knowledge of how much things cost. So if it was a good investment, like well, it needs this, it needs that. So I would know if I should buy the car or not. Okay, um, based on what it needed, and hopefully not a lot. I wouldn't buy anything that it needed a lot. So, but it was fun. It was fun. I really enjoyed that part of my life. So that was step one. So <laughs> that was you... step one. That was right before I got into the car industry. So okay, 
you went and just got the regular job mm-hmm. after you came out the depression. You went and got a regular job. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know want to call it regular, but you yeah. <laughs> just went and got a job with an employer. Mm-hmm. A job that paid me money. A job that paid you money. <laughs> That's your income. And then you found your first opportunity at flipping cars. Mm-hmm. And long term, it wasn't successful. But again, um, all opportunities have a level of success, like we said before. You gain some type of experience or knowledge from everyone. And the fact that you did that, I'm just impressed that altogether. So, much fun. so that was pretty cool. Um, okay, so that rolled you over then to in the car dealership. Mm-hmm. And we know that story with the car dealership. Mm-hmm. We know you had quite a bit of success there. I did. Even though there was a bit of struggle. There with was. The, the logistics and the mm-hmm. management side of it. Yes. Okay, so let's go to, I guess, we, is there something you want to add to the dealership part of the sales? Is there something that maybe we didn't cover before? Because um, I definitely want to jump to where, after you left and where. Yeah, so uh, as far as sales is concerned, so let's talk about how I, I handled money okay. in between. Okay. From the moment, you know, I, I lost my son's father to um, being in the dealership. So when I was living in my studio apartment with my son, um, I don't know how I afforded sneakers all the time, but I did. Like, I was always buying my son's sneakers, myself sneakers, and I was making less than, I was definitely rolling bills over. So People make money for what they want. Yes, they yes. Like making time and making money. Because I can't, time and money. I can't afford the, sne- the amount of sneakers I was buying back then. I can't afford it now. Today. Like, I don't know <laughs> what I was doing, but anyway. Um, so there was a time when I was in that studio apartment that I remember sitting down, I had $5 to my name, and I needed toothpaste, toilet paper, and soap. I'm like, how did my mother do this? How did she make sure we always had toothpaste? Now I wound up going to the dollar store and I got all three to my next pay- paycheck and I could get the brand we wanted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then moving into the supermarket, um, I became a little bit more savvy with my money. I did move out of my mom's house at that point, as soon as I got the job at the supermarket. A, a month after I got that job, I got my place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved over to the dealership. And so I had a, an apartment down there at Woodlawn Park. It's by the post office, behind okay. the post office on 155. Okay. Anyway, I got an apartment. It's a really nice apartment. I liked it. And then when I started at the dealership, I rented a house. And so... What was crazy was, so this is a nice house. It was uh, four bedrooms, like over 2,500 square feet for me and my kid. Right. Right? And what was crazy about that experience was that I should have been happy. I had financed a car. I think I had a 2011 Kia or something like that. Newest car I ever had. Um, And I sat in that house, and I was not happy. I was like, what is happening? I'm standing in this house that's too big for my child and I. Right. The backyard was crazy big. Uh, I've got a, a fairly new car. I'm like, what is wrong? I'm not satisfied. What is the problem? I later learned that it's because I didn't have any immediate goals, right? Oh, so I was okay. a, a salesperson. kind of living. Right. As a salesperson, <laughs> I was at the top of my game as a salesperson at that point. There was nowhere to move. I had no interest in being a manager at that point. I was offered, and I was like, uh, no. Um, and so now it's like, it's like, I guess this is it. <laughs> I guess I could just do this until I die then. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I, I later realized that. Um, but I was still financially irresponsible. I did not have a budget. Um, I was making good money and just spending it on God knows what. I, I really couldn't tell you right now what so I spent it now on. now that makes sense how the gym shoes came to be. Just materialize the gym shoes out of the money you didn't have. The money you did have just disappears. I don't, it's the budgeting thing, I know. Oof. So I, was, I had poor money habits for a long time that I did grow into good money habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you want to talk about after, so I'll tell you quickly how I did get better money habits was by being around people with good money habits. Um, the managers that I worked with at the last luxury dealership, so they, they all had houses. Um, one of them went on this like ten twenty thousand $20,000 vacation. I think, I think the vacation was $20,000. And that was just more than I could fathom. I'm like, you just spent 20 racks to go hang out. <laughs> right. What happened on a 20000 Right. You know, if I could stick to a budget on a vacation, well, let me let me rephrase that. If I stuck to the budget, the vacation wouldn't be twenty thousand. Right. But I, I probably, unfortunately, have 
gotten right. close. Now, it wasn't lavish. It was, that was very lavish. It was. But um, outside of that, because that's, that's, that's fun, right? But they all had over 800 credit scores. They all had platinum Amexes. And um, sitting around them, you know, listening to them make decisions about things they were going to buy and the interest rates they would qualify. And I think when I started out in management, I had a 560 credit score. And I'm a manager of right. a car dealership. And there's your goal. <laughs> goal number one. And I'm like, man. And so this is right before I bought my house. And so I'm just looking and listening to everybody that's around me. I'm like, I had to do something about this. This is this is not good. Like, they have houses and boats and 800 credit scores. And you have a house you're renting from somebody who is a homeowner. And um, you've got a 560 credit score. You got to change that. Goals. <laughs> but well, that's I, good. But that's I did good. change that. That's good. I like that part because um, there's the meme that goes around all the time that if you, what, if ever, if you're not, if people around you aren't doing better than you, then you're hanging. You're, you're in the wrong room. Wrong circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever that is. So mm -hmm. you've kind of validated that. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely helped. Um, okay. So they helped you to grow your credit, become more financially responsible. Mm -hmm. Then the job melted down. Mm -hmm and you were finally able and, and stable enough, mm -hmm. actually, to separate yourself mm -hmm. from that scenario. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where we kind of left off before and where I want to pick up, especially mm -hmm. because we were encouraging people to not, um, not feel like they're anchored, not feel like you're obligated to stay somewhere, you're not appreciated, you're not enjoying it, you're not fulfilled, or whatever the reason may be. So when you left, what happened? I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys could see her smile. I was so happy, and I don't regret it one bit right now. No. And, you know, I have moments that's like I'm afraid. I don't. I think I have them far less now. But uh, initially. The panic. What did I do? Right. Yeah. I mean, it was a six-figure job. Who does that? Right. Who, who does that? Who just leaves a six-figure job? Like, I'm out. Um, initially, what happened was, um, I was I was at peace. I was honestly at peace because I thought about it um, I, do I dove head first into my nonprofit and um, started doing more with that you know the nonprofit is geared toward helping children uh, who may not have certain resources and we provide those resources for them I had already been looking for my purpose years prior to that and had found my purpose and I really it really became important to me to live a life of purpose rather than just live a life for me. Because I told you before, like, I had a lot of ego. Um, mm. When I was 19 to 23, a lot of ego. Like, how great is Keisha? Um, <laughs> right, seriously. But um, the dealership life was a lot of the same. Um, I, had, I drove the BMW. I owned the house. I'm sales manager. Oh, you know what's a good answer to your question? What initially happened? Identity crisis. Oh. Who am I? Oh. Who am I? When people used to ask me before, who are you? Oh, I'm Keisha. I'm a sales manager at a luxury dealership. Mm -hmm. I'm a homeowner, and I drive a BMW. That's who I am. That, that's an American crisis. Right, right. <laughs> or, we are our stuff. Or anything you tie your identity to. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything. Because even if I say I'm a mom, my son's 17. Right. Right? And so I'll always be a mom, but I can't tie my identity around him because he's about to go live his own life. Right, right. Um, so you, ha for me at least, have to understand who you are at the core. Right. So the, so the first thing was identity crisis. Like, oh, man. I went back to 2011, Keisha, where it was like, so I wasn't teaching, and so I just didn't talk to people. Right. And so in my head, I'm like, what do I tell people now? Right. That was short-lived. identity, yeah. Right. It was short-lived because I'd already gone through that. So that was the initial thing that happened is like, wait, who are you? The first thing, I, first person I was, though, was um, I went by my middle name at work, Vanessa. And so the first person I was, again, was Keisha. So wow. that was nice. <laughs> wow. And why did you use Vanessa before? 
reason? <laughs> yes, yes, you know the reason. <laughs> oh, well. So at previous dealerships, over the phone, in person, I get good reactions from people most times. I right. have had um, bad interactions as far as race is concerned, face to face, but mostly it's over the phone. And then Keisha is a relatively young name, so older black people would kind of dismiss me over the really? phone. Really? Because my name is kind of young. I didn't think Keisha was a younger name, but okay. Not anymore. It was when I was younger. Oh, okay. Yeah, I <laughs> when, guess so. When I was younger. <laughs> like, I only know 80 of them. But. The, the older I get, the older Keisha gets. But okay. uh, <laughs> So um, it was to be, to be received well off the rip, that I didn't have to, like, overly explain myself and that I knew what I was talking right, about. Right. Um, so Vanessa was just easier. It's just easier and, to know, go I, by. I guess I could have done – I've never – I considered it, but I never used my middle name. Yeah. And same thing with my first name. First of all, we don't even know what gender it is. Right. Is it a man or a woman? Right. And then it definitely sounds ethnic. Mm-hmm. What ethnicity? Don't know, but it's right. an ethnic name. So um, I guess I just dealt with it. Yeah. Vanessa is racially ambiguous. Yeah. It could be anybody. Well, and my middle name is Lynn. Right. So. Right. And then my mother more. always wanted me to be Vanessa. So she was oh, very happy, happy that I was using that name. And it was cool, but I... At that, before I quit, I was definitely feeling like I was also having an identity crisis because I was Vanessa at work, I was mom at home, I was fun Keisha with my friends, I was daughter Keisha with my mom, and none of those people crossed lines, and it was exhausting. Yeah. Exhausting. Com- I can never say this word, compartmentalizing yes. your world. Yeah. It's exhausting. I yeah. just wanted to be one person, mm-hmm. and that's why. Okay. I'm with it. Um, All right. So where do we want to go from here? Can we go to now monetizing your skills? Sure. So I like the first store. I'm really, I'm kind of hung up on that. You decide you want to resell cars. I don't know why that's going to stick with me for a while, but okay. (laughs) Let's go now to the current um, past year, two years. Yeah. So so for the past year, because I quit literally a year ago today. Right. <laughs> um, so I did the, the going with the nonprofit, been running a nonprofit for a while now, and that's not going to stop, going to keep doing that. Um, and then so also the automotive sales training. So I do that for individuals and for other dealerships. So I still have close connection with people I've worked for in the past, and so I work for with them now. Mm-hmm. Um, How then, did they do sales training before? At the dealerships? Oh, sales training, it, it, it's outsourced sometimes. Oh, okay. And sometimes it's in-house. Okay. So th- that's nothing different. Okay. Sometimes you see a face you've never seen as your trainer. Uh, sometimes you go to them and stay two, three days. So that that's not abnormal. Okay. Um, a lot of speaking engagements that I'm really enjoying. I got a chance to speak to a group of teen moms. Um, those are my people. <laughs> and let them know, like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Whatever they say you can't do anymore, don't listen to them. And it's so funny, this whole stigma with teen moms. Um, things change, I guess, with the, um, what am I going to say, the environment or whatever, the, the, the time frames. Mm-hmm. Because we had kids back when we were 14, 15. Our grandparents. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, we keep saying this teen mom. I'm like, yeah, but that used to be standard, normal. Yeah. And again, when is right or wrong? I mean, it's giving birth to children. So right. your body's prepared to do it. It can do it. Right. Um, I guess being mentally and financially prepared is it's is the real concern. Correct. Correct. It's not having the child itself. So anyway, okay. So you talked to the teen moms. You enjoy yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, and then I've written a book. So... In the beginning of 2021, New Year's Day, I had no thought about writing a book. That book, you just wrote it this year? I just wrote it. Why do I feel like I've had it for so long? It came out in February. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So at the top of the year, I've always wanted to write a book. Okay. But that's as far as the thought went. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, what can I do? And I had been hearing, and I've heard it over the years, um, start where you are with what you have, Uh right? People always want to wait for the perfect moment or perfect scenario, but you can start. Whatever it is you want to do, you can start, but you could just start where you are with what you have. So I said, okay, well, where am I? I literally asked myself that question. Where am I? I'm in my house. What do you have? You're You're a good storyteller. You're a good writer. I have a laptop. Okay. Write your story. And so I did. 
<laughs> I sat there and I pulled 16, 20 hour days every single day. Wow. Um, How long did this take? 25 days of that schedule. Oh, that's not that bad. I mean, 25 days is, you hear people get these contracts and well, I wrote the book over seven years. And and I can appreciate how that can, t it can take a long time. Um, Maybe because it's your story that too, made it it's a, a little bit easier. easier. And so some people do write their story and it still takes a long time. Um, I was self-published, so I didn't have to go through that problem of, well, I won't call it a problem, but the, the, the extra, yeah, it takes yeah. a while to get published. Um, and for whatever their writing process is, it takes them that long. But this was my story, so I didn't have to make anything up. I do want to write a fiction book, and I, it's harder because you have to really use your imagination. I lived this life, so it's easy to write down. Right. I just have to make it sound good right. while writing it. And remember the details. And remember the details. And fortunately, I've always kept a journal. Oh, good. Since I was about 19. Um, so I was able to refer back to journals, pictures, all sorts of stuff. Um, so 25 days, but they were all 16 to 20 hour days. I'm up before the sun and crashing in bed just in front of the computer. Um, so I started where I was with what I had and produced a book. Whew, okay. So um, that was, we call it step number one? Would you say that's the first thing you pretty much did? No, step no? one would be, um, I don't know, there's a lot of step ones. <laughs> speaking, the, the speaking, okay. um, then the trainings. So the training, because didn't, I didn't stop there for a minute. Mm -hmm. With the training, something you always wanted to do, or were you just using a gift that you already had, or yeah. was it in the works already? Or No, I was using what I had. Okay. What am I good at? What do I know? I know sales. If I don't know anything else, I, I know no sales. sales. I know how it works. I know how to do it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, using what I have. Do I, I love sales. There are things I love more than sales, but I know that I'm good at sales. And I know that I actually care about people. Um, so it, it's fulfilling in a way. And it's funny, cause that's something right now that I am um, trying to balance. Mm -hmm. For myself, mm -hmm. but really for my daughter, I want to get her started earlier. Mm -hmm. So she's so good at things. Mm -hmm. She has so many skills and talents that I can see mm -hmm. that she's not necessarily interested in, mm -hmm. or she doesn't she doesn't appreciate or understand um, how talented she is in that area mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. And so trying to not necessarily be the tiger mom, mm -hmm. but also steer her right. like. She has ideas of doing A, B, and C, and I'm like, she does it okay, but you know, you do these other things effortlessly right. and almost perfectly at the same time. Right. So do you wanna take a harder road because you feel like you do like it more, mm -hmm. but there's people out there that effortlessly do it better. They're just mm -hmm. more talented and airy, and you sure. can just do this, and right. you do it very well. So that is a, a line, something I'm, I'm trying to uh, I don't know. I don't even know what, not overcome, balance. Right. Balance between me and her and her and herself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> balance mm -hmm. it. I get Steer it. Steer her and balance it at the same time. I get that. Um, can we jump yet to your son? Yeah. Okay. So not only did you, and you, and you it, I'm going to let you tell the story, but you admit it, it wasn't something you pushed your son to do. Right. It's something he did on his own, mm -hmm. but it falls in line with what I just said and as well as, um, his story and yeah. his journey and his financial wellness and his future. So I'm going to stop there and just, I want you to share. Yeah. So like your daughter, um, my son has um, effortless talents, right? Art being one of them. Um, amazing artist from he was, from he held a pencil. Like you mm -hmm. could just see the detail and it just grew exponentially. Um, there were things that he took interest in that I would say to him, um, I would ask him, are you passionate about this? And he would say yes. And, but I don't, I don't see it. You know, when you're mm -hmm. passionate about mm -hmm. something, you eat it, you sleep mm -hmm. it, you breathe it, yep. right? I would say, I don't see it. And he would get angry and say, yes, I am. And I would leave him alone. Okay, fine. And I would tell him what passion looks like and then just let him go about it because I'm not going to frustrate you. Do your thing. You're having a good time. Fine. Well, he let this thing go and then got back into art. And he was eating it, he was sleeping it, he was breathing it. And I said, are you passionate about this? He said, yes. I said, is this any different from the last thing you were doing? He's like, yes. 
I said, do you see what I was talking about? He's like, yeah, I see it now. So as far as kids are concerned, um, they don't listen. <laughs> I'm writing this down. Are you passionate about that? Yes. That's going to be a question I'm going to ask my daughter. Yes. <laughs> and it, it's going to take for them to really get passionate about something for you to compare it, for them to actually see it. Um, so I had always kept my son involved in art because he liked it. Mm -hmm. So when he was younger, he liked to draw. So I would get the drawing pads and the charcoal pencils and the markers and the paint and all that stuff. And none of that was like it for him. Mm -hmm. Like he, I thought he would use it more right. and it's just in the closet collecting dust. And then he came upon, um, digital rendering. So I didn't know what that was <laughs> when he started doing it. Um, and he would do it on Instagram and post his pictures there. And I thought initially he was taking other people's pictures and posting them. And being team kid the way I am, I'm like, yay, best picture thief in the world. <laughs> and make sure we share his Instagram so we yes. can all go on and look and see and follow him. Yes, it's at I am Opal. Okay. I-A-M-O-P-A-L. O-P-A-L, yeah, I am Opal. Um, so he starts making these pictures, and I don't know what I'm looking at, but I'm, yay, okay, cool. Um, and then I notice he has a 1,000 followers. I'm like, why do you have a 1,000 followers? What do, why do they like these pictures? Um, and still not understanding. And then he grows to 3,000, then 5,000, then 10,000 followers. And he's monetizing this. He is selling these renderings. People are asking him for certain renderings, and he's charging them for it. And he's um, doing the renderings and delivering them and getting paid. Has his own PayPal and all this good stuff. As a matter of fact, he did a, a digital rendering for a farmer's market in New York wow. um, that was also passed by a senator. Uh, in New York, and that senator, from what I've been told, would like to work with him. So that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. And he's how old is your son? He's 17, 17 now. 17, not even legal yet. He was <laughs> 15 when he started. Wow. 15, I think. Yeah, 15 when he started. Um, and he loves it. He, he loves it. It can get stressful for, stressful for him when he pushes himself too hard because he's in school. Right. Um, but art is his passion, and so he likes trying different types of art. And so my advice, I wouldn't say that I'm pro-mom, top 10 mom, mom with all answers, I don't. But my advice to helping your kid find what they're good at is um, allowing to, them to explore a certain uh, genre, if you will. Mm -hmm. So if your daughter likes art, let her try digital. Let her try, mm -hmm. um, you know, just with her hands. Or dance. Or, or dance. Or dance. Just try it in different ways and see what they like. Um, I have forced my son to be in a, like, play piano. I've forced him to do certain things, and he dreads it. So you have to make it seem like their idea. Right. <laughs> right? And then they'll... Well, we get plenty of ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I don't necessarily mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think I'm going to love this, Mom. I'm going to love it. Sign me right, up. Right, right, right. We sign up. We buy all the stuff. And some things last one class. Mm -hmm. Some, after three or four classes, like, okay, can I just do this until this session ends and I don't want to go back? So yeah. we, do a, okay. we do a lot of that. That's okay. And something will stick. Right. Something will stick. Um, I've wondered for a long time. So I'm a salesperson by heart, right? And so is his father. And his father and I were both selling things in school. Like I sold candy. I sold lemonade. I sold anything I could. And um, I was sitting there this whole time like, where's your salesman? It's got to be uh, in there. Yeah. I'm just wondering. I'm like, your father's got it. I've got, well, mm -hmm. found it. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. My child and I are not necessarily the same like that. Yeah. Either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am not the dancer. She is absolutely the dancer. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So I think we covered budgeting. That's the only thing I have written here with mm -hmm. the budgeting. We kind of went over that a little bit. How... You know, we're still on your son. Mm -hmm. He's 17 now. He started at 15. How is his budget? Did you help him with that part? Because that's interesting to me. So he's essentially his own business. Mm -hmm. Is Opal, I am Opal, is that the business name or is that just his IG name? His Instagram. Okay, mm -hmm. just his Instagram. Mm -hmm. So how is he running, how is he um, running his business aspect of it? Sure. So I, he does have um, unrealistic savings at the moment. Um, it's not sustainable, really, if you're in the working force mm -hmm. and you have lifestyles like most Americans. Mm -hmm. I make him save half, okay. right? Which half is a great idea, 
most people can't save half. Right. Um, He's 17. He lives at home with his Right, (laughs) right. He can save half. He doesn't have any bills. Um, (laughs) So he can save half, and then he can do whatever with the other half. I do recommend that he save all of it sometimes, but he has to save half. And I have access to his account, and I look at it and make sure half is going in. Um, He does very well with that. He does buy some things that I'm like, why do you have this? What is this thing? But he's it was his half. <laughs> right. I'm I'm just glad he has gotten this experience so early. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like the public school system here fails. We we <laughs> we fail our students at any mm-hmm. financial planning, financial knowledge, education. Right. Um, we we do very yeah and i sit them down and we talk about finances and of course being from the car industry um there's a a website and i'll I'll send you the link because i think it's very important for for parents to use it with their children for themselves and their children but we went through a car buying process right Mm -hmm. A, a pretend car buying process and we started off with what kind of car do you want what do you want your first car to be and it was like this $80,000 $80,000 car, right? Of course. But fine, let's roll with it. We're going to go with it. And so um, you look up average interest rates or whatever. So we did the interest rate. We plugged in the down payment. I'm like, how much are you going to put down? I'll show you zero down, five down, ten down. And then we looked at the payment. He was like, what? I was like, right. So do you want to look at another car? He's like, yeah. So we looked at another car after and that. The, and <laughs> those don't have the um, insurance in it, I'm sure. No, they don't. <laughs> so- they don't. At all. So we looked at another car. I said, this is something more reasonable. I definitely think you should get the car that you want, but not right now. I think you should get something more feasible. And then we looked at that, and we looked at how interest plays a part. So I toyed with the interest and showed him what 25% looked like versus what 5% looked like. Um, and showed him what monthly payments looked like. What what you would have paid for the car over time if you went 72 months versus 36 months and blah, blah, blah. Keisha, I didn't know they were doing over 60 months. I didn't know that. You can almost mortgage a car. Not really. That's well, and they do <laughs> forty-year mortgages month. and fifty-year mortgages now. So, yes, ma'am. Good night. Mm-hmm, they sure do. They, oh my gosh, that's not good. <laughs> Your whole life. Yeah. Paying for something. Yeah. That is when you could have bought two or three houses by then. Mm-hmm. Anywho, so yes, I teach him about finances. I teach him the things I didn't know because my first credit card or was a store card, a Macy's card. I bought a pair of shoes and I never paid for it. Insert bad credit right away. 18 mm-hmm. years old. Just tanking. Oh, you didn't listen to that episode for me yet. Oh, God. I'll, I'll send it to you so you yes. can listen to my friends. It was called Friends in Debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the credit cards. Listen, my lowest credit score was uh, in the threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, that's not a score they give you. You have to actually work for it. Mm-hmm. You you have to put in effort to get a 300 I credit score. I <laughs> never went that low because of my student loans. Mm-hmm. That's what saved me. My student loans were never in bad mm-hmm. standing. But yeah. everything else, yep. Terrible. So I teach him those things because I didn't know. My mom's lesson about credit was have good credit. I didn't know what credit was or how to make it good. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I teach him those things because I didn't know. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I'm trying to think. Anything you want to add oh, to it? We were going to you... talk about the book, the second oh. book. Oh, yes. No, you were holding it. I didn't. That's yeah. your surprise. Yeah, nope, you go so, ahead. I wasn't going to mention it. So uh, starting where you are, what you have. So I'm the writer. My son's the That's the title the of it? No, no, no. No, no. Okay, then uh-uh. you're saying. Time. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So my, I'm the writer. My son's the artist. So we're going to create a children's book series together. Um, and the title is Supercharged, right? Supercharged. Supercharged. Of the series. Yeah, okay. of the series. Supercharged. So um, the first one's probably going to be first mission or first meeting or something like that. And we're highlighting children who don't normally get highlighted in um, in cool ways, right? So you can have, I, I see a lot of books about black hair and it's awesome. It's telling you what black hair can do and why it's so awesome and I think that's great. Um, but what I wanna do is add children and not just to teach, but to just make them super, make them heroes. So we have four characters in the first one. I'll tell you about uh, two of the characters because I haven't released two of them yet. Okay. Um, so we have Grace. Grace has two Afro puffs, and her Afro puffs control lightning. So she's pretty super in that way. Then we have Sarai, and Sarai wears an eye patch. You know, some kids do wear eye patches on Mm -hmm. the strong eye so they can strengthen Strengthen the the weak weak eye. eye. Right. Um, But Sarai's eye is so strong that it produces a laser beam. 
and she has super sight. And so we're going to um, just highlight children. Moving forward, we'll have um, nonverbal autistic children in there. We'll highlight um, children with hearing aids. We'll highlight children with prosthetic limbs. Wow, this is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, and, and not to inform. We're not, there's lots of information. Right, right. We're just going to make you cool. Right. Because you are super. Right. Enjoyable to read. Yeah, yeah. And why not? Everyone likes seeing themselves. Mm -hmm. When I watched Black Panther, I got chills. As a dark-skinned black woman, the, the men were always married to, on TV shows, the lighter-skinned women. And the darker-skinned women were always the angry ones. Mm -hmm. And it felt bad growing up and, and not being able to see myself. When I watched Black Panther, I got chills. Representation matters. And every why can't everybody be a part of something? Right. Why does it, it it can definitely be a teaching moment, but why can't we just be cool sometimes? Right. You know? No, I'm I'm down with the superhero. I so have a daughter that loves superheroes. Mm -hmm. My daughter, you have a son, but my daughter never into princesses. Ever. Yeah. She does not like pink. She's never been into princesses. That's my girl. So we I've been superhero <laughs> from day one. Mm -hmm. uh, Spider-Man and, well, Spider-Man by far is her favorite. Yes. So we've, I've got Spider-Man everything. Yes. Um, and what's funny is, so these quote-unquote differences, mm -hmm. they're not really that different because how often do you see these things, right? Right. You, you see black hair is not different. Black hair is all over the place. It's on my head. It's on yours. Um, kids in wheelchairs, uh, kids with eye patches. It's but not. But it's who gets highlighted. That's it. Who gets the coverage, who gets highlighted, and who's put on the pedestal. Right. 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 So it, it exists. We've all seen a child in a wheelchair. We've all seen an adult in a wheelchair. Right. We've all seen black hair. <laughs> but it's what makes the television, what makes the print, what is... Uh, showing is favorable that's it and so we're just gonna make them cool yeah. and there'll be coloring books and all sorts of stuff so I'm, I'm excited to do this project with my son um we have a very good relationship i am proud of who he is i am proud that um he is nothing like his father and i were at 17 and i'm excited to do this with him mm -hmm. it's a it's something that we'll always be able to say we did together so Yes. I love that. You are inspiring me now. So my <laughs> daughter's got a new project that she's got coming up, but it's it's still going to be more her project. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a parent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the uh, my manager, momager, momager. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I'm just the momager. That's really her project. <laughs> so um, we're going to have to look for something to do together. Yes. So thank you for inspiring me. Oh no problem. Um, okay, so share your contact information. Definitely how to find your. Um, close or be closed books mm -hmm. that's available now yep. I'm definitely when um, chargers supercharged. supercharged when supercharged comes out I will definitely share that information too but yes. how do people find you now for sales training to buy your book to buy renderings from your order rendering I don't even know how you say it contract your son for right. renderings right so um, I'm gonna look up his Twitter because I think it's the same thing okay but for me um, everything is my name Keisha V Stubbs K-E-I-S-H-A, V as in Vanessa, Stubbs, S-T-U-B-B-S, at Keisha V. Stubbs on Facebook and Instagram, KeishaVStubbs.com for the book, for the training, for speaking, Keisha V. Stubbs at Gmail to contact me for any of those things. Um, my son for the renderings is I am Opal at I am Opal on Instagram and Twitter. I'm going to check his Twitter real quick. Oh, Opal. Uh, Opal FTW, so that's for the win. It's at Opal FTW on Twitter. Okay. So I am Opal on Instagram and Opal FTW on Twitter. Okay. Um, he'll probably be most likely to respond on Twitter. Okay. Um, and then Supercharged, uh, it's at Supercharged on Facebook. Oh, it's there already. Yeah. Okay. At Supercharged on Facebook and at Supercharged Kids on Instagram. Supercharged kids. Yes. All right. So we are going to share that everywhere. You guys reach out to my girl Keisha. Yay. She does it all. Phenomenal woman. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm following you. So Thank you so much, Kyle. I follow Keisha everywhere we go. We're in the same community. Yes. She does a lot. I think when I was first introduced to you, it was from the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing I remember seeing. Yeah, that's so, my And baby. I feel like I've had the book for a long time. So 
I can't believe. Well, you came to the signing, so you've had it since February. Okay, I'm glad to have had you too. You guys made me feel real good with the turnout. Yeah, I just feel like it. I'm like that was this year. Yeah, man, did um COVID slow everything down or speed it up? Everything's different, boy. Yeah, everything's different. Mm -hmm. All right, well, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming here. Thank you for doing a two-part series with me back to back. No problem. Um, that probably would have been a lot to do in one. So. Everyone, I hope you got something from this part two. Um, there was there's a lot of gems in there. I wrote notes, so I wrote a lot of stuff down. This is good for parents. This is good for even possibly your older child to listen to. If you are um, have anxiety anxiety about stepping out and doing something new, definitely listen to this. Reach out to me, Keisha, or any of the other four or five people I will have on as well that's going to discuss the same topic. We have to take ownership of ourselves. And I really, really love the part that you brought up about who are you. Right. I've had this discussion in some other seminars, some things I've attended. Um, I think this is a drawback for a lot of people in this society that we we are our titles mm -hmm. we all walk around with our titles yep. and our things yeah our titles and our things mm -hmm. and when you strip that all away who are you right and if we could get to people could get to the um the crux of who they are mm -hmm. i think making these other decisions would be a lot easier because would be. we wouldn't be so tied to the the income or the title mm -hmm. or the ego. Mm -hmm. We would be tied to who we really That's are. It. And when you walk in who you are, life becomes a lot easier. Yes. And you're a lot more fulfilled and happier. Yes. So anyway. And I would like to say that um, as my, my final note mm -hmm. um, is that when you are true to who you are and you know who you are, you have to remember that your gift will make room for you. There's no need to compete with other people who are in the same industry. Your gift makes room for you. And when I tell my story, I've become more comfortable with telling my story and who I am and what I've been through. I tell it not because I'm special. I don't tell it in a I'm hoping that it's not received that way. I'm not telling it in a way where it's like, well, Keisha is so amazing because. I tell it because I'm not special. I'm just like everybody else. And so if you've been through something or are going through something, you can make your life amazing. It, it's for everybody and your gift will make that space for mm -hmm. you to live the life that you want to live you're you don't have to be stuck you're competing with yourself who you were yesterday you're not competing with anyone else's business numbers no. titles no nope. you are competing with yourself to become now I sound cliche but you are literally competing with yourself to become the best you that's it Every day. Every day. Every day. You're competing with who you were yesterday. And there's no competition when you're the only one in the lane. Yep. <laughs> so you'll be fine. You are the only one. Yes. Okay, well, I love this episode. Thank you. I may love this episode more than the part one. Aww. I really love this episode. Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you. You guys know you can reach me. I got to say it. Ready, set, free. Podcast is at all streaming locations. The website, readysetfree.me. Uh, Facebook Ready Set Free, Instagram Ready Dot Set Dot Free, and um, Twitter Ready Set Free. So thank you guys very much for listening. It has been another episode of the Ready Set Free podcast with your host Kai Wilson. We want to thank Keisha for coming to join me, and we will see you again next week. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye.